Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night in case we do not see you. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Show. Today is Valentine's Day Eve, Monday, February 13th, 2023, which means it is the morning after Super Bowl 57. We have a lot to get to here on the SB Nation NFL Show, but a reminder before we keep going that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SB NFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can listen. Uh, excuse me, I'm coming off a cold, so uh, not my best self, much like Jonathan Gannon these days. But you can listen to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel or Facebook page. My name is RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's blog of the boys, the fantastic Rachel Prevet, as always on the ones and twos from the home of some uh, some upset people, SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation. But with me, as always, from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride, it is Pete Sweeney, live and in living color from, I don't know what part of Arizona specifically, I don't know where the hotel is at, Pete, I don't want to dox you, joining us as well as he has been for all of the playoffs from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit, Jeremy Reisman, Jeremy, let's see your beautiful face up on the screen, Pete, congratulations to the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, what a game, what a game, an instant classic, I think a lot of people are feeling who didn't have a dog in the fight that maybe would have been nice to keep the penalty in the pocket late and see what happens in, in that case. But it is what it is. The game's over. The Chiefs are, are world champions for the, the second time in, in four years. And and by the way, to your point, initially, RJ, Phoenix is huge. I did not really grasp how big Phoenix was. I am currently in the Tempe area, and I'm about to, after I chat with you guys for a little bit here, get ready to, to fly back to Kansas City. You know, it's pronounced Tempe. I mean, if you've been there for a while, I would imagine you would have you know, been told that by somebody. Um, the the, the P is not this big Tempe. It's Tempe. It's very simple. The Isn't it the capital? The Tempanians have not <laughs> described that I've been pronouncing it incorrectly, at least yet. So maybe I can get out of Dodge. Um, Jeremy, you and I will talk about the holding call and everything that has happened in the aftermath of it because uh, we'll touch on the Eagle side of things in a little bit. But Pete has to leave us shortly, as he mentioned, um, obviously, to, to catch a flight, uh, likely watch a movie on the iPad or something. Maybe read the book that you actually wrote. Pete, give us a plug for the book that you wrote very quickly before we kind of dive into the chief side of things. Yeah, I, I put out a, a tweet. I'm going to send another one here soon once they, they sort of complete the, the order thing. But yeah, I... I Got contacted about two weeks ago and said, hey, we have a project. If you want to work on it, it'll only publish if the Chiefs win. And I was like, oh, they're the underdogs in this game. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this extensive project while covering the Super Bowl for Arrowhead Pride and SB Nation. But 
uh, wound up being worth it. It's a commemorative special book about the entire season called uh, A Dynasty Begins. And uh, again, I'll have the I have the link up now, but I'm going to put out a new one because we got the cover out now. But really fun project. I've never written a book before. Only done the, the web stuff like like you guys. Uh, and and what a team to cover. You know, this was a, a special year for Kansas City in the fact that they got past losing Tyreek Hill, which I, I think created a lot of doubt uh, as to whether or not they'd win the division and certainly uh, the Super Bowl. And so they were able to persist. And, you know, this to me was Patrick Mahomes first real sign of, you know, like Tom Brady did, maybe he can win with different types of casts. And so five AFC title games, the three championships of the, the conference and now the two Super Bowls in, in four years. So they're building something here. And I, I don't I didn't want to say, hey, this is a dynasty, but I think a dynasty begins is fitting because we'll see if they can they can continue that as they go. Jeremy, is it a dynasty? I mean, you, you've seen the tweet floating around with Patrick Mahomes' Wikipedia page and everything like that. He's obviously well accomplished. Um, <laughs> you're a pretty impartial person on most NFL things. Like, what you know, we don't have to sit here and talk about the particulars of what the Chiefs did on Sunday. They won the Super Bowl. That's what matters. Like, where do the Chiefs kind of lay in your mind? Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair to, to call this either the start of a dynasty or just, you know, get rid of the qualifiers. It, I, we talked a little bit about it during conference championship week. I do feel like the bar for a... Um, a dynasty in the NFL needs to be different because there is so much parity because there are such deep teams <clears throat> because when you're in the NFL, I, I think what the chiefs did that, that qualifies them for a dynasty dynasty specifically this year is being able to do it with a quarterback that is on a massive contract. That is the one thing that we've all circled as something that's incredibly hard to do. Even, you know, even coaches are, are, are talking about it now. How uh, you need this guy on a rookie contract. Jalen hurts was that guy. Um, and so now, now that they, the Chiefs have been able to amass a solid overall team, and and don't don't get it twisted, like that is a solid overall team. This isn't just a team that's putting up thirty points. Their defense stopped the Eagles in the second half, um, and and deserves a lot more credit than I think they got leading up to this game. So, the fact that they were able to do that makes you think that what's going to stop this team from now on? Be and and yeah, like losing Tyreek Hill too, trading away Tyreek Hill. That's a great point. Um, that's that is a move that see that would cripple most teams, but I don't I don't see anything stopping the Chiefs from from being this dominant of a team year in and year out. And because it's a single elim elimination playoffs, maybe that doesn't mean Super Bowl every year. But getting to the conference championship, getting to the Super Bowl, even I think qualifies this team as a dynasty. Pete. Um... Mahomes went off Super Bowl MVP. It kind of felt a little bit early on. Like what I like in my head, I was like, who wins MVP of this game if Kansas City wins? Because it, it took Mahomes a little while to kind of you know really heat up. And the Mahomes stuff is kind of obvious, but um, who in your mind was the second most impressive player on the Chiefs? I know the answer, um, but I'm prepared if you're wrong. <laughs> I think it was Nick Bolton. I think he was there we go. He, he was key in in a lot of tackles. And I think the the key tackle was of Kenny Gainwell in the open field because at that point, it had felt like on third and fourth down that the Chiefs were just going to keep giving it up until they were, were going to end up losing the football game. And finally, he he stops Gainwell in the open field. I believe that was the, the third or fourth quarter and finally forces the Eagles to kick. And I think that sparked a little bit of belief in the defense that they can stop Jalen Hurts because and, and let's not get this twisted either. And I'm not afraid to say it like. Yeah, Pat won the MVP. Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field. And so if I'm a Philadelphia fan, I am sick last night. And, I, and I'm not saying he would always be against Patrick. I, I'm not saying he would always be against Patrick Mahomes. But la on last night, on that in that particular game, he had one mistake. And, you know, you look at that, that just the dropped ball 
other than that, a perfect game seemingly for Jalen Hurts. Um, and of course, the you know, the MVP is not going to go to losing team, so he doesn't get it. So Mahomes ends up getting it. Uh, I, I think it might have, have gone to Kadarius Tony if he just gets into the end zone on the return because he had just scored a touchdown and that changed the whole game. So about three or four inches from a possible MVP that was not going to be a quarterback. And <laughs> then you would have really had two ticked off NFC East teams at the same time. Uh, what, a, what a thing for you, RJ, and, and the Super Bowl, the, the Cowboys are not involved in. But uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes gets it. It usually is the quarterback was able to get the the three touchdowns. Uh, and I think the two key plays for him were the scrambles. There was one, uh, I believe, at the beginning of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter to get them into field goal range before that uh, sequence, which, which ended up with the, the holding call. Jeremy, we have to get Pete out of here shortly, but um, a quick one for you. Um, and, and like I said, we'll unpack the game a little bit more in, in a little bit. But um, no offense to your boy, Matthew Stafford, but it kind of felt like last year's Super Bowl was like irrelevant. Like it felt like nobody cared. I, I, I know I said that. Like it felt like who was bothered that the Rams won the Super Bowl? Like there are a lot of people who are bothered that the Chiefs um, obviously won the Super Bowl last night. Um, so that being said, this does feel like an important moment for – I don't want to get like too big about it, but like the future of the NFL. But this this feels like an authentic sort of thing. Um, again, like, I don't want to say that the Rams had this like Mickey Mouse title or anything like that, but am, am I wrong? Like, is my vibe off in that sense? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what you're looking for in the Super Bowl. I, I do think, yeah, this, this Super Bowl certainly has more long-term staying power. I think the Eagles, I know the Eagles have a ton of free agents coming up and, and a lot of those guys aren't going to be back, but it still feels like that franchise has a lot of staying power, especially with Jalen Hurts playing the way he is. And obviously the Chiefs are, are going to be a powerhouse. So, you know, if you're looking for maybe a, a Super Bowl that, we could see a rematch of either next year or a couple of years down the line. Like, yeah, this one has a little bit more staying power, but I'm definitely not biased in, in the fact that I thought the, the, the Rams Super Bowl was uh run was, was interesting. They had a, a ton of, you know, all-star players, blue chip players. Um, and it's kind of fun seeing a super team make one, one quick run and maybe they'll, they'll bounce back if, if Stafford is healthy and, and, and some of those guys come back and, so it's a weak NFC, so there's there's definitely room for them to to bounce back. But yeah, I think if you're looking for, you know, history of the NFL, what Super Bowl might be more impactful? Um, yeah, I would say probably this one. Pete, two out of four. Which one was more impressive? You're obviously a little bit of a prisoner of the moment here, and you've got the book on this one. But I mean, literally, um, which one is more impressive? The the win over San Francisco or the win over Philly? Both required ten point comebacks, which Patrick Mahomes flawlessly executed. I think it's got to be this one because you paid Pat. That that's where mm, NFL. To Jeremy's to, point, yeah. I I think that's where teams begin to struggle, right? Now you know, this Eagles team was freaking up and down, just a a lineup, right? And the reason that I think you were able to do that, you know, partially is because the, the quarterback contract, right? If you're able to uh, get a, a Super Bowl going and feel like a complete team and have the quarterback already paid i mean that that to me is always going to be more impressive like the chiefs also too like they decided we're going to trade tyree kill and lean into draft picks and you just look at the contributors last night i i called it uh what would be the gm of the chiefs his name is brett beach i called it i bet beach brett beach special game because you look at the offensive line that was rebuilt from that disaster in tampa that did a pretty good job against the Eagles, right? That, that was a, a matchup that everybody was worried about. And Patrick Mahomes stayed clean for the most part, except when he was deciding to scramble with a high ankle sprain, which I don't, I don't know about that decision making, but Hey, what are you going to do? Then you, you know, you talk about the, the folks who scored touchdowns in this game, Travis Kelsey had the first one, but then it's sky Moore, a second round pick 
Kadarius Tony, who you end up trading for. Uh, then you have these defensive backs that they did struggle against the receivers in the first half, way better second half, and their rookies in Jalen Watson and, and the first rounder, uh, Trent McDuffie. So I just think, and even the Bolton is a, is a second year player. So they got him last year. So uh, I just think this one feels more with the, the strategy and the stamp on it. Whereas the last one, it felt like, you had a lot of already established veterans. Anthony Hitchens, your boy. Tyron Matthew, who had had success elsewhere. Tyree Kill, who had one, been one of the best receivers in the game. This was a whole new team and a whole new cast of characters. Uh, a lot of no-names, I think, to an extent as well. And they were able to pull it off. So to me, I think I think this one's more impressive. Jamie, do you have anything for Pete before we um, we send him on his flight? Uh, you know, fastens the tray table or whatever he's going to do? <laughs> Uh, do you want to give Eagles fans any credit for complaining about the field? Is that, <laughs> you want to get into that Ooh. at all? <laughs> I, I, I would be more upset with Carl Sheffers. Chiefs fans have <laughs> plenty of runs with uh, good old Carl. And, uh, it, it right. did seem like he was making bad calls both ways. Um, you know, I, I, the, the holding call was, it was rough. You know, Brad, uh, James Bradbury said after that he was holding, you know, I still don't know if that necessarily should have been called because you weren't really calling that um, all night. And uh, I would feel like I, I was shammed a little bit if I was the Eagles because they were playing a great game. I, I, I'll tell you, at, at halftime, I didn't see a scenario in which the Chiefs were going to dig themselves out. Like, they were that dominant in the first half. And you could feel it. I, I just – that, that is what's so impressive about the Chiefs, too. Somehow they were – I'm telling you, they, it felt dead and buried, and they came out looking like a different team in the second half. And then I think – I want to say this about the Eagles, too. Like, when you're winning like that and suddenly you're stunned and you blink and you're down eight points, to have the poise for Hurts and that offense to go down, not only score a touchdown, but score the two-point conversion, you put the pressure back on the Chiefs. I just thought it was – a really impressive showing. And and I think you, if you're in the NFC, you, you hope that they could maybe keep most of that team together because they were impressive this year. And it's a shame and not to be like the Kelsey brother take here, but it's a shame that one of these teams had to lose. Uh, I mean, I, I truly feel that because it was that good of a game. And uh, I had come in being like, oh, I think the Chiefs are going to win by 10. You know, you play this game 10 times, the Chiefs win eight. It's probably closer to 5-5, five, five, you know, after watching it. But you never know until, you know, you have the AFC and NFC team matchup but it was chiefs night and uh i think with hurts um you know if there's one solace and you know how much solace can there be in a super bowl loss it's like hurts i i think had a lot of believers before but he announced himself as an elite quarterback on the national stage and like you can i know there had been questions in philly is he the guy you know rumblings or whatever like that yes he's the guy and you have to find a way now to to build around him and get back there I think all that's really well said, Pete. One quick one for you before you leave, actually. Um, you, you mentioned it. I think all, everything you said, I agree completely with, especially um, how it felt like over. I couldn't even enjoy the awesome Rihanna performance because I was like, man, the Eagles going to win this thing. Like, it was just such a terrible, <laughs> you know, kind of ride. Um, that was but uh, she was awesome. But so the um, the decision to to kick the field goal early on, and what was it, fourth and two, that was the Harrison Butker miss. Yeah. Um, obviously, it worked out, or like the, everything worked out. But in hindsight, it has to feel like every Chiefs fan agrees that that was not the right. You have Mahomes. You have the dude who just pulled this off again. Like, you know, maybe this is a lesson for the future to go for it. I mean, the miss is the miss. But um, that, that felt like it felt like that was going to loom very large if the Chiefs did lose this game. Andy Reid is interesting with analytics 
I think he, he collects all the information. He has a great a- analytics team with his guy's name is Mike Frazier, super smart guy. I actually talked to him a little bit on opening night, which was like a really cool experience. And and what what Andy Reid, I think, does is he takes all the information and he has it in front of him and then he makes a call anyway. And he just goes by gut feel and said, heal your way. Sometimes the Chiefs do go for it. Sometimes they don't. It's very hard to predict because you don't know what Andy Reid is feeling in that 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 big old championship gut. Um, but, you know, in that particular situation, you put the field goal unit on uh, Harrison Butker said after the game that he had a bad warm-up. He didn't feel great into the warm-up. So I wonder if he had that information. I don't know. Uh, but when you, you doink it, you know, if you're going to go for a field goal, you got to make it. When you doink it, then you start to really ask questions because that ended up being a 10-point swing. And at the, I had a a loss. This, I mean, you you both do this. I had a loss outline written, and that was the um, sequence that I had. It was, um, you know, the Butker, Butker doink followed by the Eagles going down and scoring, you know, the points. And that's a 10, you know, that's a 10 point swing. And it felt like the Eagles were, were never going to look back from that. And I, my whole point on the night in this article that will never see the light of day was that the Eagles were aggressive, whereas the chiefs uh, were passive and they made mistakes. Um, and then, you know, that, obviously that didn't end up getting written, but uh, yeah, I think that felt like a mistake and would have been the key point had the Eagles pulled it out. Sure. Mm. You can follow him on Twitter at PG Sweeney. You can get the link to his book, A Dynasty Begins. I don't want to get the uh, title wrong, literally. Nope. You know, that's, that, that's it, right? Now, I'm, I'm in the phase of uh, the like fog of all this. That's what it yeah, is, right? A Dynasty it's Begins? It's the, yeah, it's called The Dynasty Begins. I should. It's um, triumphbooks.com slash Chiefs 2023. So uh, mm. there you ADB, go. ADB, A Dynasty Begins, baby. Uh, Pete Sweeney? Have a happy flight. Um, I don't know what you're going to watch on it, but, um, you know, take something we'll try cool. To, we'll try to connect to the internet and write some more, Audrey. There's a lot to say today. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Anyway, Pete Sweetie, have a great day. Come up with the week, Kansas City Chiefs. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Jamie, um, 
we don't have to talk about this game without Pete, which is going to be fun. Sure. Um, but before we do, um, what was your favorite moment of the Rihanna halftime show? Oh, man. And what was your favorite commercial on the night? I, I, I have to say it was a bold and awesome choice to open with Give Me My Money. <laughs> Like and and to literally have yeah. Anna, the NFL Twitter account tweet out the title of that song, right? Incredible. Uh, so I think I I have to go with that. I don't know if I have a favorite commercial. I've never been a guy that's really that impressed by the commercials. I don't particularly like any of them. I I know that the uh, what was the name of the the cable provider one that screwed everyone up, including myself. Oh, the two B one. The two B one. Yeah, that like confused yeah, everybody. Definitely yeah. my least that... favorite of the night. I don't know. How about you? Definitely. <laughs> A memorable one. Sure. Um, I agree on Rihanna. Um, I loved my favorite p- portion was Umbrella. I really wanted her to play Disturbia, but Umbrella was a great moment. I know everybody made the same joke that Tom Holland right. should have come out. That would have been awesome. Right. Um, on the subject of Tom Holland, uh, kind of my favorite commercial was the trailer for The Flash. I have spent, for, I don't know, whatever. It's been like two years thinking that movie's going to suck. Uh, but that movie looks kind of cool. So, um, And on the subject of movies, I finally watched Top Gun Maverick oh. over the weekend, and it slapped. So yeah, I, it was hear, really good. I don't know why um, I haven't seen it either, but yeah, I, I hear only good things. Dude, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. It was awesome. It was a thrill. Um, so cool. Uh, much like this game was, um, I guess we have the field thing to unpack. Yeah. We have the holding call to unpack. Um, and I, I have a few other tiny little things myself, as I'm sure you do. Where do you want to start? I want to start about with the with the holding because I ha- I think I have a somewhat fresh take on it. And I wrote about it on Pride of Detroit because... I don't think the issue is with the call. I think you're always going to run into bad calls, like with withholding and pass interference being as subjective as they are. This is just part of the game that we need to get used to. Unfortunately, right. no amount of like full-time referees. You're not going to fix any of that. It's, it's subjective. Sky judge. Yeah. Totally. Right. with you. The problem to me is that that came with an automatic first down. And that is something I absolutely hate. It was third and eight. Okay. And right. when you have this many subjective rules in the rule book, the only way to fix it is to give them less power. And the and one very easy way to give a penalty less power is to remove the stipulation that gives them an automatic first down. So third and three, there you go. The Eagles have, still have a chance to get off the field. Get rid of, get rid of, like in almost every situation, I don't think there should ever be an automatic first down because guess what? Most offensive penalties don't come with a uh, a loss of down, right? It's all It's right. all the extra impact is on defense. So let's even things up. And let's just get more power out of the ref's hands. I actually really, really do like, I do think this is fresh. I haven't seen or heard this so far um, in the aftermath of the Super Bowl. Um, So let's see here. We've got holding, defensive holding is an automatic first down for the offense. Uh, Illegal contact is an automatic first down. Is hands to the face an automatic first down? So that would be the third. Um, and to your point on like as far as offensive penalties, the only one that that comes with a loss of down is um, is intentional grounding. Intentional grounding, and, um, and that, but that one kind of makes right. sense. And illegal forward pass, but yes, that's yeah. true. That's but also kind of makes right. sense. Like you can you can justify why those you know re- require the loss of down versus the defensive penalties. You can't. I really like that. And if you commit that penalty on like third and four or whatever, and it's five yards, and like well, it was third and four. Like that kind of makes yep. sense. Um, I love that take. I understand the emotion involved with um, with with wanting it to be different. The take that I like the least, like I've you know assessed that I like yours the most, is the you can't call it in right. that moment. That's dumb to me. It, like if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Yeah. Like wh- whenever, however it happens, it's a penalty. So you can't be like, well, you can't call it in a super important moment. Actually, you should call it th- like in a super important moment. Like that's when you should be at your best. Um, do you put any stock into the like? Oh, James Bradbury's just saying this because he doesn't want to get fined. That's that's where a lot of people are at this morning. A little bit, but at the same time, he could just say no comment. 
right? He could just kind of kick the can True. on the question to like, I, or I, not talk like Jonathan. Gannon. Sure, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I, it's, I, I saw the video clip and and so it seemed like he was being sincere and, and, and yeah. And I'm also with you on the same take too. Like you can't, you can't officiate the game differently in a, in a critical moment because then you're, you're still making a, a conscious decision at the end of the game. If you're not calling it, then you're, you're calling it differently at the end of the game too. And and that's just as impactful as calling it is, is not calling what appeared to be at least a, a somewhat clear penalty. So um yeah, I I think Brad Berry, he you know he, he did what most defensive backs do when they're beat is tries to cheat a little bit and hopes he didn't get caught and he got caught. Where did you come down on the play that Andy Reid challenged the Dallas Goddard catch? Do you think that was or was I think that was a catch. I did too. So, I, I, but I understand you have to challenge it in that oh, moment. Oh, no question. So I think it all just kind of worked. Right. Out. Yeah. I mean, we went to I think we went to commercial break. Still not sure because. Fox hadn't showed us a, a good enough replay or a slow-mo enough replay. But, yeah, I think he was still no, dragging Jeremy that. Jeremy coming for Fox this morning. Jeez. Hey. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of issues with TV broadcasts and how much they impact football games, but that's a whole different topic. Um, but, yeah, no, I think he was dragging his back foot. I think I think the deep shot, um, uh, was it A.J. Brown uh, up the sidelines that ended up getting overturned? That was to, Devont- to Devontae, Devontae Smith. Smith. That's, that's right. Devontae, yeah. That one was a little bit more controversial. I still think they actually made the right call and the right overturn there, but I understand that um, – there's there's a lot of debate around that one, and if there's a lot of debate, then you could make the argument it wasn't clear and um, you know irrefutable. But I, I I think outside of of the defensive holding at the end, which I also think was probably the right call, I don't think it was that bad of an officiated game. There was a defensive holding early in the game that didn't get called uh, on the Eagles, um, but again, ticky tack, best way to do it, just take more power out of the, the ref's hands. That's I'm I'm telling you, that's the I like thing. that a lot. To your point about the Devontae play, I, cause I agree with you. Kind of like subjective, or it's obviously subjective, but like kind of debatable. But like, did do we not remember the last game that Devontae played, the early right. part of the NFC Championship right. game when he when he had the catch that wasn't that was not called correctly? Yeah. Like, and I know they blew them out, but still, like, like you can find both ends of the spectrum. Is my point. Right. Um, what about? Um, because I agree with you, like the, the lack of holdings or whatever that weren't called, the Lane Johnson false starts. And I that I think is partly skill. Like I give Lane Johnson yeah. credit for just kind of timing things to a certain degree. Right. Uh, but again, it's kind of in that gray area. Where did you come down on the Miles Sanders fumble that Nick Bolton recovered for his second touchdown of the night that was not called, that was ruled incomplete? Yeah, that one's tricky, right? Um, the whole like what what is a football move after you get your first two feet down? And, is you know, it's clear he didn't make a right. third step, but did he start? to protect himself a little bit hard to say um again and again if it's if it's that close maybe you, you leave the call as it stands um it was an incredible defensive play and so part of me is just like that looked awesome that was a really good play let's just give credit <laughs> right. to the defense let's just let give it a be. touchdown um but I, but i think they probably got that one right too mike Pereira certainly believes so in the booth and uh he probably knows <laughs> the the rules a little bit better than i do so uh, i don't i don't have a problem with that one did you no, um, what I actually really liked, and I tweeted about this in the moment, and then I, I think we should give we like we only focus on when when we think the officials are wrong, and we're like, oh, these dudes suck, whatever. <laughs> but like, and and I think we say this all the time. I was a big fan of letting that play yeah. play out, yes, because some, something that's stupid is when it's like, well, we blew the whistle, so like we can't undo it, we can't put the toothpaste back in the right. tube. Okay. Let the play play out so that we have the result, like, and we can get this right. And then you want to go into the hood and you want to figure it out. I might disagree with you. I thought it wasn't a catch under the, like, ambiguity that we live yeah. in, obviously. But, I mean, if it had been a catch, like, at least it wouldn't have been like, well, there was no clear recovery and whatever. Like, that would have been really unfair. So I'm I'm happy that they let it play out. 
They went, they made the right decision. Cool. I'm good on all that. The field. Holy crap. All the stuff about 800 grand, Oklahoma State, the USGA, like all these people took all these L's on the field. I think about this all the time, Jeremy. It's the Super Bowl. So it's the Super Bowl for like everyone involved. And I don't just mean like the players and coaches, but like the production crew, right? Like the halftime performers, the commercials, like it is literally the like elite version of whatever job you do if you are involved in the Super Bowl. So if you're involved in the like art of groundskeeping, it is your Super Bowl. How did like, the, I don't know what this is like. This is like maybe, maybe the Broncos performance against the Seahawks level of ineptitude <laughs> right. as far as groundskeeping. Like th this was such a bad field both ways. And it really is a shame that it impacted what was kind of a fun game. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe that's the ultimate takeaway is that it was still a fun game and, and maybe we don't harp on it too much, but at the same time, like, game very well could have played out differently. I, you know, I think part of the reason the chiefs were able to keep that pass rush at the bay was those guys were just slipping and sliding as they were trying to turn the edge so many times. And so, yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see. And this is, this goes back to another take of mine that's unpopular, which is I don't like when weather impacts a game because it takes away some mm. of these guys, best ability. It's the same thing with, with the turf, right? If the turf is not good, then you're not seeing the best athletes in the NFL perform at their highest ability. So uh, yeah, it was, it was annoying to see. It was frustrating to see. And I'm, I just, I'm kind of thankful that, you know, that the game winning field goal wasn't affected by the kicker slipping or something like that. Cause that would have just made things even, even more worse. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I buy that the Butker miss was affected by the field. Um, but either way, I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it's a shame. It's a shame that like, it's a sham. Actually, the field was a sham. Right. It was really, really, really frustrating to watch. Um, Man, what are we missing so far? Like we're kind of flying. Like I feel like we're we're moving very quickly. Like what what are what have we not hit yet? I still have some things, but what what's on your mind? Um, to me, the the story of the game was was the Chiefs' offensive line. Um, it was it, it wasn't perfect. Zero sacks allowed. Zero sacks allowed. They they outrushed Philly by by a ton. And and yeah, like to me, I, I like like Pete was saying, that felt like the the matchup that everyone was circling where. I don't know about this Chiefs offensive line, especially the right tackle against, you know, Hassan Reddick and, and what Reddick finished with a tackle. Um, it, it It's kind of incredible. And, you know, it goes to show you that offensive line is pretty darn important in this league because obviously the Eagles have a really good offensive line uh, in this league. So if you're one of the other 30 teams that wasn't participating in the Super Bowl, you're probably circling your offensive line as a, a pretty big uh, pillar to to building an NFL team, which is obviously no not not necessarily a big surprise or anything, but I think while we're all obsessing over you know how amazing these these quarterbacks were and, and they were amazing, uh, offensive line to me was was a big highlight last night and uh, and pretty cool to watch honestly. I agree with you completely, um, and it is it, it it has to feel kind of cool if you're Brett Veach um, in that like that was your kryptonite two years ago obviously, yeah. and that you like. You literally rose from the ashes, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like delivered. And it wasn't like you didn't just like allow zero sacks in the Super Bowl that you want. You did it against this team that challenged the 85 Bears as far right. as the sack record. Like that that was the story. And you didn't just like win. You completely and totally absolutely neutralized them. This game also to be Jeremy felt like um, I feel like Eric Bieniemy has has sort of I would say I know people feel he's been disrespected. I want to get into like all of that, but I feel like he's at the very least not gotten enough credit yeah. for the the sort of dynasty that you called it uh, that we've seen in this era of Chiefs football. But this felt like like the, the most visible. If you are blind to this for whatever reason, uh, the most visible Eric Bieniemy contributions that we have seen. And I haven't read this story yet in the Athletic. Um, it's on my bookmarks for later today. Um, but written about in the Athletic was uh, a play from the Eagles Jaguars game. Uh, obviously, Doug Peterson's the Jaguars coach, uh, where they ran that cute little motion 
uh, that we saw twice from the Chiefs down near the end of this game. And so, like, that just really was Eric Bieniemy doing his homework and dominating a defense that had had its way with most teams. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that's a, that, all that's a good point because I think I tweeted out towards the end of that game, like, this has been an offensive play-calling masterclass by both teams, to be mm-hmm. honest. And those back-to-back touchdowns with with the motion um were obviously the the the, the i think maybe the most obvious um the one that i point back to and, and i only do it partially self-serving because uh the lions ran the exact same play against the eagles in week one um it was it was a it was a sweep on third and one in that last drive to pacheco um that, that kept the, the right. game winning drive alive um just a brilliantly kind of schemed up play where it's perfectly blocked uh, you you ha- you had numbers essentially where it really didn't seem like the Eagles had any sort of chance to defend that play. Um, kind of one of the underrated plays that that'll go overlooked, but were, was critical to them winning that game. Yeah, and that was the play that Josh Sweat kind of like sold out on and and just guessed wrong, yeah. and that opened things up all the more for Pacheco. To your point, the broadcast did um, highlight that. Um, I have an um, underrated storyline that I want to get to, but you mentioned the broadcast. What did we think of Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson? Because this this might be like lost in in the annals forever like if right. tom brady does show up um in 2020 i loved it i yeah. really i really 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 enjoyed it. i did too honestly and and i liked i liked that olsen kind of went in on the the defensive holding at the end i i think a lot of times announcers are a little bit afraid to lean into officiating controversies uh, jamie you you are killing it <laughs> but, keep going. but yeah like I, I think sometimes you know they, they want to shy away from that to for whatever reason maybe they don't want to criticize the league maybe they don't want that to overshadow the the main story of the game but i feel like it, or they don't want to be wrong. Right. It, like, they want to be wrong and then have everyone kill you. Yeah. Right. And and maybe he was wrong. Maybe he was right. But I like that he picked a side. And and obviously you have the, you know, you have Pereira in the booth too to, to kind of level things out. And so, you know, I'm I'm one of the Greg Olson fans. I know, I know anytime there's an announcer that, you know, makes an impact that that makes his voice heard in one way or another is going to be polarizing. But I think he does a, an excellent job. I'm kind of wishy-washy on Burkhart, but um, you know, I, I think I think in general, like if you're unnoticeable as a play-by-play caller you're probably doing a fine job then i'm with you completely um something that i have said for now i guess eight years is that chris collinsworth does not get enough credit for how immediately he criticized the seahawks for the malcolm butler pitch like like think think about the stones it took to like go out on that ledge in in that moment because there's you know what i mean and i to this day, believe he helped. Like you talked about, how like announcers and booths or whatever impact things. Like he impacted the culture of that. Like like so many people were so quick, rightfully so, obviously, to jump on them. But if he doubts that in the moment, I do think that maybe there's a little bit more trepidation in the fallout of it all. Um, but that's a different thing. On the subject of not getting enough credit, to kind of go back to the Eagles, it pains me to do this. All right, and look, I'm very very happy that the Eagles lost this game, and I'm very very happy that Nick Sirianni did not win this game. But I don't think that Nick Sirianni is going to get enough credit because this happens when a team loses, like everything is just swept under the rug, not not only just in general, but for the timeout that he did not call in the sequence that led to the Goddard challenge the, the right before. And I know Greg Olson brought that up, but it was third and nine. And instead of burning a timeout, he took a delay of game. That is so smart. That is so smart to say, you know what? This is already like a difficult down to convert. Let's just make a third and 14 if we pull it off. Great. But this timeout is so valuable there are too many teams one of them the team that beat the eagles in the super bowl that do not understand the value of timeouts in an nfl game and i don't think that we're going to remember that enough no not at all and and i I think sirianni is was probably the best game manager in the nfl this year um the the fourth down stuff was was on display i know um some some strict and some analytics analytics 
guys that are very strict think that maybe they shouldn't have punted late in that game when it was what fourth and two on their own 30 something yard fourth and two and they were down by one and everyone i don't know if you've seen this um people have brought up in super bowl 52 in a very similar situation they went for it and obviously that was a big reason why they won the game so i guess how do you feel about sirianni in general and the decision to punt that i mean that's it it feels like a lose-lose there um it's a tough decision anytime i think to to punt in your own side of the field late in a game where if you don't convert that might be the ball game um but also in a game where the offenses were rolling on both teams you could certainly make the argument that chances are pretty high that you convert there and if you convert there it's an entirely different ball game um so I, that one feels like a little ticky tacky to, to complain about, especially considering all the other times that he did go for it on fourth down this game and did go for it on fourth down throughout the, the regular season and, and the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why people might get a little bit upset about that because those little decisions add up. Um, and I, I, I certainly think the chiefs were uh, probably more, um, more guilty of going against the analytics. Um, I, I think you can make mm-hmm. an argument that they should have gone for two to go up nine instead of, eight i was gonna bring this yeah. up so your your team so to set the stage they were up by one it was 28 to 27 yep. they scored the touchdown um that was the sky Moore touchdown so, yeah. um the second of the motion plays and so I, I, immediately after the touchdown they're up by seven points and so a lot of people you and i'm now both included believe go for two make it a nine point game two possessions there was about nine minutes and change left in the game they decided to kick the extra point and make it a one keep it a one possession game but you you are team go in that moment. i think so um i think you know analytics are going to be very tossy uppy on this one because two point conversions in general are about a 50 percent conversion rate so um you go for two and and you make it great now it's a two possession game you go for two and you don't make it well now you've just given them a, a, a much easier chance at tying the ball game but to me, I, I just think I think the uh, given how the game has been was playing out, given that the offenses were dominating that game, you just try to push yourself as far ahead as possible because it's not like they're going to go for. Well, I guess I guess it's possible that you know the Eagles score and then they go for two to go up one if you if you miss. So that, that, this is a hypothetical question. Right. Say say Casey goes for two and they yeah. miss, so they're up seven, yeah. and then the big um, Eagles touchdown or the big Devonte play happens, right. and then they score. If you're Philly at that point, do you go for the win? I mean, I know there's a lot of time left, but do you do you go for the lead I, at that? I point? don't think so because there's so much time left, right? Because now you've you've right. given them more incentive to hustle down the field, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and so I, I, you know, if if we're talking under a minute left, maybe. Um, right. But yeah, certainly if it's like the final play of the game, whatever, like time's expiring, you go. For, I'm with yeah. you, but like with that much time left, there was like two and a right. half minutes left. I agree with you. I, th- I think you have to tie that yeah. game at that. Point. No, no question to me. Because yeah, I think I think the wow. advantage of going up by one is much smaller than the the devastating result of not making that two point conversion and, and trailing with two and a half to go. I agree with all of this that we're saying. Um, and you talked about like the margin for error was thin and the like what the analytics will suggest and things like that. This felt like this game really felt like you know how like. Um, when, when somebody punts from like their own like 46 yard line, we'll see like Ben Baldwin's bot like tweet out like the win probabilities, yeah. like on the decisions to go for it or punt. This felt like one where it was like 51 to 49, right. you know, what I mean? like, like the whole game in general. And like you like the Eagles were just on the 49 percent of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it wasn't like they it was an embarrassing loss that they got blown out. But like you lost by that thin margin against what we're learning to be even more so is one of the better quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, e- even that Bucker kick, I think, was was basically a 50 50 split on on on. Uh... Ben Baldwin's bot. So yeah, I, I mean, the, right. This, the, the miss that you're yes. talking about. Yep. Right. Um, 
and so yeah, I, I think I think in general, like that's that's playoff football, but that was especially the Super Bowl, is that little decisions are going to make big impacts and whether it's an officiating decision, a, a, a punting decision, a, a field goal position, a timeout decision, all those sort of things are going to add up in, in a game in which these two teams were just so evenly matched and so good that the first person to blink is, is probably going to lose that game. A lot of people had brought up how the two previous Super Bowls in Arizona had had these like amazing seminal moments. Um, the Butler pick obviously was one. And had that Butler pick not happened, it would have been the Jermaine Curse catch. Right. That would have been such a great oh, moment man, to remember yeah. forever. Um, right. And obviously the um, the David Tyree catch. What If you had to put one of the plays from last night in that mix, nothing had that level of consequence, obviously, yeah. uh, just because of the way the game unfolded. But what would be the play? Ooh, man, I think maybe the, the punt return. I feel like that was... That was kind of the the I don't want to say the nail in the coffin because obviously the the Eagles come right back and and tie the ball game there, but it felt like okay, this is Kansas City's game. Like everything is kind of going right. their way. Um, they they just you know stopped Philly. They they had that opportunity that where they could have gone up for two with by two possessions had they gone for two there. So to me that was like okay, like the Eagles are completely on their heels at this point where they're going to have to play a perfect game the rest of the way, and they didn't. So. Um, I, I think that's probably maybe the defining moment. I don't know. Do you, do you have a, a better one in mind? The only one I, I thought of. Um, so like in all my props and things like that, I did, I took all the unders on turnovers, right? Like on interceptions mm-hmm. for both quarterbacks. Cause both quarterbacks are so, well, I know Mahomes is not yeah. necessarily careful with the ball, but he's obviously very talented with the ball. Um, and so I think you could argue the hurts fumble, yeah. right? Like that was a, a touchdown, right? Like in the game that the chiefs won by three yeah. and like, you know, that at halftime, the Chiefs had one offensive touchdown, you know, and that, that was the other one, obviously. Um, and, and so that 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 was such a, a rarity for Hertz, not just in the playoffs, but all season long. Um, and so I, kn- I know it happened earlier. And so it didn't have the like pizzazz. I think the Tony you know, answer is a good one. Uh, but that that was such a you could tell. And another thing that I think is really um, you know, going to be forgotten is it's kind of like the Nick Sirianni non timeout is the I on the subject of penalties, I think there is an art to like selling them, right? Like kind of like, you know, barking and, and, and squawking and screaming or whatever. And the Chiefs got the officials to call a false start on one of those Eagles yeah, scrum plays, yeah. right? And like, how many times have we seen them called? I don't know the, I know that the Athletic did a, like a huge um, deep dive on this subject, but I don't know that they'd been called for a false start on that specific play all season long. And the Chiefs got it on third and one. And lo and behold, on third and six, it's that fumble. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like that that's a that is one of the biggest false starts in NFL history. No, you're you're hundred percent right. And and I, I'm glad you did bring up the, the Hertz fumble because you know, as, as Pete was saying, like that game was all Eagles in the first half. All the, the Chiefs were lucky to only be down by 10. And had they not been had they been down by 17 or 13, you know, even a field goal there, I, I don't know if the Chiefs can pull out of that hole. And so yeah, I, I think you're right. It 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 shouldn't be overlooked, not that people are gonna overlook a, a defensive touchdown or anything like that. But um, that had such a drastic impact on the game because I, I think, I think Philly could have essentially put that game away out in the first half with the way they were playing. And, and they played good enough in the second half where I think if they had been in a two or three score lead and they were in a two score lead, but 13 or plus lead going into halftime, I think they might win that game. To your point uh, on whether or not Kansas, I mean, even Kansas City probably could not have climbed out of a 17 point hole, even with an entire half to work right. with. And everybody pointed this out, obviously, um, in the aftermath of the game. But, Jeremy, they touched the ball, the Chiefs did four times in the second half. Um, and 
I mean, in sequence, touchdown, 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 field goal. And only the only reason the field goal was a field goal was because they, they settled for it. I mean, like, right. they, I think we both think they were capable of scoring a touchdown at the very end. So, like, what was the extra possession that they would have needed? You know right. what I'm saying? Where, like, where, like, where like, are you getting it? There just wouldn't have been – there wouldn't have been enough time. Yeah. I mean, so, like, that that's why, like – I, like it requires a little bit more explanation than the Tyree catch or the Butler pick. Yeah, but I, I think that the the most the biggest swing moment was the Hurts play, especially given how careful Hurts was with the ball all season. Yeah, long. and it's 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 tough to to do that to him considering how amazing he right. was all night. Oh, he was awesome. Um, it was so, and it's, it's such a fluky like, play too, right? It's not even like oh, you, you know, he he did something stupid. No, he. I mean, it just right. It just it's so fluky. It's so out of character that it it sucks that that will be such a defining play of the Super Bowl, but it was like that when, when you have a defensive, um, you know, defensive touchdown like that, when I believe the Eagles were in on, on the chief side of the field at that point. So like scoring seemed very imminent for, for the Eagles at that point And for, to, to really be a 10 or, or 14 point swing there. Um, it's huge. The Eagles punted once in the second half. I mean, like, and to be fair, that also includes um, the final possession of the game just being the one play. So, I mean, whatever. But still, like, and it was such a fast second half in that sense. Like, like, I mean, fast but long. Like, the possessions were long and drawn out, and that kind of obviously contributed to everything. But if if you had told any Eagles fan, as Rihanna was, like, you know, opening with a, an expletive, you know, titled song, um, you know, if you had said, you're only going to punt once in the second half, you would have said 10-point lead, like, even against Mahomes. Like, those odds are pretty good. It was, I, I don't want to say, like, I don't think it's fair to say that the Eagles like cratered, but they, they did like, I don't know what a, a, a smaller version of cratering is, but like they cratered in the right way like, or the worst way. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they had the worst possible missteps. They were tiny, but they were just big enough to allow this specific team to take advantage. Of yeah. Them. I mean, they scored 10 points on three second half possessions. Like that's not terrible. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a huge collapse. And that included a two point conversion <laughs> to your point. Like, I mean, Oh man, Hertz was great. I do think I agree that he sort of announced himself, but we, we talked about how difficult, like, as we kind of spin forward now, like the, the story about the chiefs is like, okay, great. Like they're a dynasty. They're going to keep building whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like now that the Eagles have to pay Hertz, yeah. like that, that's a thing. The Eagles might lose both of their coordinators, right? Like there's going to be regression in all likelihood, right? And the Cowboys of this year, I can tell you were, were the one, right? Like somehow generated more turnovers than they did in 2021, but there's likely going to be regression as far as all those sacks are concerned. Yeah. As great as Hertz is, the odds of him having this great of a season, you know, are low, but he could certainly do it. Sure. I mean, he's obviously proven to be very talented. The AJ Brown effect, like all these things, you're likely going to see some sort of regression. I mean, it's very difficult to get back to the Super Bowl and certainly to get back and win it after you lose it, um, which the Chiefs just proved took at least two years for them. Yeah. And they're very, very good. Um, what are your thoughts on the Eagles moving forward into 2023? I mean, it's a huge offseason for them. I don't, I don't know how many of those guys are they're going to be able to to recoup. Um, you know, there's what 10, 15 guys I think that are that are headed for unrestricted free agency if they can't retain them. And you know, not to give the the Giants and Cowboys too much credit in front of you, but it's an improving division, right? Um, those teams are starting to look good, and and um, you know, I I don't know if the NFC in general is is going to be great next year, but I, I do think it's going to be better than it was this year. And so the surrounding pieces around them are, are, are going to continue to get better. And yeah, like losing your offensive coordinator, losing your defensive coordinator and, and, uh, and paying your quarterback. Like we said earlier at the top, like it's, it's very hard to get to the super bowl when you're paying a quarterback again. And maybe Hertz doesn't get, you know, a huge cap hit in year one, probably won't the way NFL contracts are, are typically structured. Um, but you know, it, eventually they're, they're going to have to pay him and, and, and pay him a lot. And, 
I don't think they're going to be able to have as good of a defense as they've been able to have these past couple of years. So they're going to have to rely on the draft. The good news for them is that they have two first round picks and, and they can reload eventually. But that, that, like you said, all this is going to take some time. I agree. And they have a top 10 pick yeah. obviously by way of the new Orleans trade. So it's not just two first round picks to your point. Um, and we'll see if how he's able to, you know, turn that into, he's the ultimate like Dwight Schrute turning the tiny bean into like everything and everything and everything. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you. Like it felt like a down year for the NFC, obviously. Um, you know, you know that as well as I do, but like, I would, I mean, I think the, we think the Cowboys and Giants are going to kind of at least be status quo yeah. next year. Yeah. The Lions are certainly going to be much better. The Vikings, I know everybody hates, but like they're at the very least competitive, yeah. right? Like you have to give them that. Um, I think the Bucks will certainly regress. I have actually I have no idea what to expect from anybody in the NFC South. Um, but I and or the West, who really. knows what happens with the. Yeah, I mean, I guess like I'm willing to give the Niners some credit and and the Seahawks, and there will certainly be some positive regression for the Rams. Yeah. But the Cardinals are such a question mark, yeah. obviously. Although we'll see who their head coach is, obviously. But um, but a, a big factor that worked for the NFC East as a whole this year, obviously had three playoff teams, was the division. I mean, and the schedule. They play the AFC South, yeah. and next year the NFC East plays the AFC East, and so you got to go through the Bills and the Dolphins, and maybe the Jets are a little bit better. Obviously, the Patriots are the Patriots, and now um, the the NFC East uh, counterpart for the 17th game is the AFC West. So this Eagles team will visit Arrowhead in 2023 <laughs> just to, to make things a little bit more worse on them. Um, and so I, I'm, I guess it's, it's obvious that we're, we have more doubt in the Eagles getting back to this point than the chiefs. Is that fair to say? I, think, I mean, yeah, I think so for sure. Um, yeah. Cause I think there's going to be more moving parts and, and Mahomes has been doing it for longer. I, you know, not that I have a ton of doubts of, of, of Jalen hurts in general, but right. um you know, he does have yeah, to, splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, but going I, I guess I didn't realize that Chiefs and, and Eagles are, are next year. Do you open week one with that? Is that the opening game? So they've done that once before in recent memory. Um, and it was uh Broncos Panthers mm. opened mm -hmm. after the Super Bowl and and the Panthers got blown out. And like I don't know that I believe it had a lot to do or anything to do with the raising the banner thing, sure. but um I, I don't think that the the like value that that had to do with it is is zero. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that. And it's not that game is an arrowhead. So you've like I'm saying you got to watch them like do you do you remember the team that the Chiefs opened with the last time they hung a banner? No. It was so anticlimactic. Uh it was the Texans. Oh, um and it was and it was the Texans coming off and the cuz if you recall the Texans blew that 24 point lead. Right at Arrowhead right. as the, as Kansas City rolled to get their first, or I guess their second title, but the first one in this yeah. era. Um, I mean, like, I don't want to see Chiefs-Bills in the opener. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've seen that a million right. times. Like, I actually would really enjoy that, um, see Chiefs-Eagles and get it out of the way early. Sure. Um, so that would be a lot of fun. Um, is that what you would I do? I think so. Or would you go, like, yeah, I mean, why? Like, Chiefs-Bengals, like, who cares? Like, we've seen all those things. Right, and, and you'll put that on some Sunday night football in, in November, and we'll all enjoy it, but... What, to open the season, I mean, what better storyline than just re, replaying the Super Bowl, running it back, and doing and putting? I mean, that's that's got to be tough on the Eagles to not only sit and watch that team raise the uh, the Lombardi last night, but then have to essentially see them raise the banner the the next time they see them. But I I, th I think that's fascinating. I'd love to see that. Um. Okay. So. The Chiefs, um, despite Travis Kelsey thinking that they are these big underdogs, <laughs> yeah. uh, were uh, the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl. They did it. Um, if you had to, I think we would, if we had to take somebody over the field entering 2023, it would be the sure. Chiefs, right? Like, obviously. Um, but if, if we had to sit here and say, in a non-Chiefs world, 
who are who are the contenders for the Super? If you have to give me, we'll, we'll call it seven non-Chiefs Ooh. teams that you could see winning the Super Bowl. Who are they? You can pick any conference sure. you want. You can go NFC heavy, AFC heavy. It's up to but you. Yeah, I, I think you got to stick with mostly AFC teams he, here, considering how good they are. So I think I think Bengals are probably right near the top of that list. Bills. You can only do seven, so be careful as you think out okay. loud, because I'm going to count right. them. Okay, so Bengals, Bengals. Bills. You don't have the Eagles on here, so not yet. So okay, Bengals, Bills. That's yep. two. Um, man, I don't I don't know if I can say Cowboys in front of you. I don't I don't think. I'm going to allow myself to do that. It's funny because Pete, Pete brought up Anthony Hitchens. I did not. Just <laughs> <It's very true. laughs> so, um, um, no, I'll throw, I'll throw, the, I'll so throw like, the Eagles in there. I, I will throw them both because of okay. the way that Jalen Hurts is playing. I think I think that alone can get you far, and they're going to bring a lot of those guys back, and a lot of those guys are going to want to come back, I think. And he's closer to Joe Burrow, like if we look at the Super Bowl losing teams sure. and stuff, than he is to um, – I know the Chiefs got back. I guess technically we've seen the last two Super Bowl losers get back to the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, because – and so, I mean, like they're they're closer to that mold than they are the, like, whoever you want to call it, the Panthers that lost the Super Bowl. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, although, I mean, I think entering that 2016 season, we would all – we might have all said, like, th- this Panthers team that was amazing, like, that's a – that's the, the terrifying – you know, reality to consider if you're an Eagles fan, like that Panthers team looked unstoppable and, and Cam looked unstoppable. And then it came hard for them in 2016. Just ask Greg Olson. Um, You know, he certainly knows. Um, Okay. So you're, you're up to three. We've got bills. uh, Sorry. Bengals, bills, Eagles in that order. You have four more. I'm I'm looking at the AFC now. All of a sudden I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend another one on the AFC, like Jacksonville maybe gets into the conversation, but so you're, you're not willing to go chargers like I, you don't want to put them in this tier i'm sorry I'm, I'm with you like i'm i'm fine not doing it i mean even though you know our guy kellen moore is there i'm totally fine yeah with i mean it, but I, that that would be what a lot of people would yeah would. that's by, by the way the entire afc west spent all of last offseason building and plotting to dethrone the chiefs and the chiefs just yeah won the they, they just like, they just, all fell apart <laughs> in yeah, incredible so fashion stupid. um I, I mean addition by subtraction there with with lombardi but um no i, I just can't do it uh and then NFC, I so you're at three. You got four this, spots. I, left. I, I, it's not a good sign that I'm already struggling to find some here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll throw the Niners in there. I don't know who their quarterback is going to okay. be, but I'll throw them in there just because I think Kyle Shanahan's an offensive genius, and they're still loaded on defense. Um, got to pay Nick Bosa this offseason. Ooh, That's their that. their big yeah. thing. Well, again, yeah. backload that contract. You're fine for this year. Uh, jeez, yeah. I got three more. You know, mm-hmm. I presume the Lions are going to be one of them. But, I, yeah, it's up to you. Sure. You know what? Get the homerism okay. out of the way. Okay. Eight, but, I mean, we'll like, finish this season, man. Look, I'm a big pride of Detroit <laughs> fan, and so I'm happy for you guys. But like, you know, they are going to be the like, like I can, I can see the the shows in August. Like, I'm taking oh, the Lions yeah. to win the NFC North. Like that, like that is going to be a very, very vogue thing. So I think we've got to put Detroit there. That's yeah, and, and and that division in, I mean. That's not necessarily saying you're going to make a Super Bowl run, but I think I think you could make a very solid, legit argument that they're they're NFC North favorites. When is the last time they've won the North? Was it 1991? Yes, when it was not the when it oh. was not the North. When it was the <laughs> NFC Central, they have not they have officially never won the NFC North. If you want to put it that way. Wow, that's I mean I guess because like thinking about it, I think about the playoff years, but they were all as yeah. wild cards, obviously. Yeah. So, um, wow. Tough scene. All right. Um, okay. So we got, we've got five. Including the lines, I got to um, include I, the Jaguars. Finished with the same record. They got a playoff win under there. Again, good, okay, bad so division. We're, 
so your six teams, six non-Chiefs, the, the six non-Chiefs teams that you could see winning the Super Bowl next year. We've got the order you went in, just off the sure. top of your head, was Bengals, Bills, uh, Eagles, Niners, Lions, Jaguars. So you have one spot left. The contenders, in my mind, as I look at my little helmet collection here, Cowboys. are the Cowboys. The Giants belong sure. in that conversation. Um, I suppose you could put the Seahawks or Rams if you're in the right mood. Uh, the Chargers on the A. The, the only two. I wouldn't put personally. Yeah, I wouldn't I put the, I would the the only the two AFC teams that you haven't picked that I would think about are the Chargers and the Ravens. But obviously Lamar is a kind of yeah. big question mark. I'll you know I'll throw you a bone. I'll I'll say Cowboys is my last team there. They, I mean we did it. I I still don't understand like what the flaw in that team was this year. So no love for the Vikings. No, sorry. The flaw in the Cowboys, by the way, is the new flaw in the Chargers. Kellen Moore. So. <laughs> Uh, we've we've chosen horsed it. Uh, but wow! So you picked four NFC teams and only three AFC. That, despite your your intention right. of your I seven, I don't feel good about that. You went Eagles. Uh, your NFC teams were Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, and Lions. I mean, you know, Lions, whatever. Kind of a half <laughs> sure. Um, because of the homerism. And then on the AFC side, you went um, you went Bills, Bengals, and the Jaguars. You took the Jaguars over the yeah, Chargers and the absolutely. Ravens. I don't feel I don't feel uh, bad about that at all. And you know what? If, if the Chiefs are in the conversation, I, I mean, I know it was who's going to beat the Chiefs, who's going to incede them, but I got four and four now. Like the NFL's. I don't know who the worst to first candidate is for next Ooh, year. That's a good question. Um, okay, okay, let's end yeah. on this. Um, usually, usually, there's a team that goes from worst to first to win the division. Who was the team this year? The Jaguars, I guess, um, were the team. Um, yeah obviously so our candidates our eight candidates you know i think we've had and there's been like a worst of first team for every year for like 11 years or something like this at this point um on the afc side you had the new york jets the cleveland browns the houston texans and the denver broncos and then on the nfc side you had the washington commanders the chicago bears uh, who had the number one overall pick the atlanta falcons and the arizona cardinals who was the most likely team to go from worst to first in 2023 i know the answer like i did with nick bolton but we'll see if you get it right uh man, I don't. I can't say I know a ton about the Atlanta Falcons, but just looking at that division, it kind of feels like it might be the Atlanta Falcons. That's wrong. But I'll, I mean, your logic is fair because <laughs> the Bucks are gonna really yeah. regress. Who knows about the Saints? And you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't really buy into Frank Reich, but we'll see. Yeah. That's a fair answer. Um, plus that would kind of like extend Arthur Smith for a little right. while. You, you could kind of like see it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um. My answer for a similar reason, although the Jaguars exist, was going to be the Texans. Yeah. Like you could see the D'Amico Ryan's effect taking hold. Um, I mean, they jump. get to the beat up on the Coles and Titans. That's a big jump. I mean, like, I mean, I, but like, do we really believe in the Jaguars? Like, like, like in a formidable way? Like, you only put them on your list because you put the line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like Fair. That, that was the big reason why. Uh, so, I mean, I think that there's a lot, there's more talent to work with there if they get the right yeah. quarterback. I could see it. Okay. I could see it. Um, oh. All right, cool. Uh, Rachel, will you please join us? And number one, tell us what things have been like at Bleeding Green Nation in the um, last, I don't know, 12 to 15 hours. Um, and also um, your thoughts on the Super Bowl and something interesting about the world. And then, of course, we want MFW MVP. Last night, it was definitely sad. Um, I know personally, like Jeremy talked about, one of my biggest takeaways from him was the fact that the story of the game was like the zero sacks allowed. Like, I just knew Hassan Reddick was going to have a dominant performance. And so the fact that nobody hit home, like, I was just like, this is like the Monstars from, uh, you know, Space Jam. 
you know, they lost their power. So that sucked <laughs> to see. Um, and so it was just kind of like a weird place because, yeah. you know, like you guys already talked about, Jalen Hurst did a phenomenal job. You can't knock that. But at the end of the day, see, the defense did not step up and do what they were supposed to do. So it's kind of just like you're happy for Jalen Hurts and you're proud for the future. But at the same time, it's just like they they were capable of winning this game and they kind of like beat themselves. So that sucked. Um, uh, my I love the Rihanna Run This Town song. I think something about the world, you know, her announcing her pregnancy, her second pregnancy during the Super Bowl halftime performance. That was like a really big deal. And the fact that she put on a show and you're pregnant, like what? Like kudos to her. Imagine being that kid. It's like, well, how'd your mom tell everybody that like you were gonna be born? Well, she performed <laughs> halftime of the Super Bowl, you know, no big deal. Exactly. <laughs> so that was really right. cool. But I love the um worst to first candidates that you presented towards the NRJ. I think that's a good conversation starter. Um, I also loved how you talked about Nick Sariani and his game management and like deciding not to go um for that like timeout. And Jeremy also like that you talked about like giving credit to Mahomes, especially with like the contract. Um, and everything. And so today I'm going to give it to Jeremy. I think you did a really good job. Whoa. I think, Jeremy, this is your first MFW MVP. Is this the start of a dynasty? Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, that makes me the Eagles of this episode. Um, I don't know how comfortable I am with that. Uh, wow. Jeremy, you are today's MFW MVP. How are you feeling? Who would you like to thank? Um, the floor is uh, Well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to thank the mothership because, uh, Yesterday concluded my first year as a full-time employee at SB Nation. Um, uh, so it was it's an incredible run. It was, uh, you know, it was a big year for Pride of Detroit, big year for the Detroit Lions. And uh, it was awesome to be part of this team, part of this podcast, uh, get to meet and interact with a, a bunch of cool people now that we share a Slack room. So uh, I just want to thank uh, SB Nation and Vox Media for, for seeing the potential in Pride of Detroit and me. That was really sweet. Like, this is usually mostly like a narcissistic part of the show, and you... <laughs> Kind of ruined that um, with your like love and adoration for everybody. Um, right. Wow, um, Jeremy, you rock. Pride of Detroit rocks. We're really happy that the Lions had the success that they did, and that you guys had the success that you did. Um, Jeremy is also somebody who I've annoyed with a lot of questions on how to do a lot of different things, and he has put up with that and given me much of his time, as has his staff over at POD. Uh, Rachel, I love you too. You're great. I mean, like you make this show work. You make this show sing. Um, and so I don't know what the future of the SB Nation NFL show is actually like. We're kind of in a weird place, so we're going to see what happens. So, um, Rachelle, I think the final words should belong to you. Uh, you should tie a bow on this, whatever it's going to wind up being, and send us into the future. Like, that's that's where we're at. We're Marty and the Doc um, and Einstein, I guess. And we're in the DeLorean, and we're going to hit 88 miles an um, hour. So send us home. I'm just going to send us home by saying that you got to give credit to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is definitely a Hall of Fame quarterback for sure. And he was able to be – I'm going to steal a line from what John Stone has said yesterday. He was able to be a superior team. Like, I think the Eagles were a better team, but Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he definitely was able to beat them on his own. So got to give it to him. Wow. Okay. Rachel, I want you to think carefully about this. Um, and then I and then I want you to yes. end everything. Like I said, we don't know what the future has in store. So I want you to say the last word. Like I want you to pick what the last word is going to be. And it might be the last word that we ever do. Who knows? So like I want you to think about that word Whoa. and I want you to say the word and then I want you to end this, please. Love. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. 
It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.